Greetings. One must not get one's knickers in a twist. Hello and welcome to another episode of the History Emporium and Powers podcast. Firstly, I'm aware the song that you just heard was not of the time period of the French Revolution. However, it is in French and it is a revolutionary song. It was dated at the height of the USSR. The French Revolution was born out of greed, inequality and an out-of-touch dynasty that seemed to have turned its back on its own people. But there's so much more to the story. We all know the French love a good protest, and they're not afraid to take to the streets even in the modern day. This may have been embedded in them from the days of the French Revolution. It is often misrepresented that protests, marches and sometimes violence doesn't produce change. It does. Sometimes this change is for the better, sometimes not so much. Depends on who you ask. The French Revolution had been building for a number of years. However, let me start this podcast at the point where Marie Antoinette and Louis Augustus were married on May the 16th, 1770. France was in financial ruin. This may have been due to the hierarchy of society living very extravagant lifestyles and exploiting the lower-ranking citizens to fund it. France also was at the forefront of style and fashion, and that doesn't come cheap. 80% of France's population were poor, and I mean really poor. They were working hard but starving whilst the other 20% were living it up. France was one of the leading participants in the Seven Years' War, which lasted between 1756 and 1763. France entered the war with the hope of achieving everlasting victory against Prussia, Britain and their German allies and with the hope of expanding its colonies' possessions. The textbooks tell us that France lost. War is expensive, and this left the country in further financial ruin. An ill-judged move was made as the elite kept on spending, kept on partying, and kept on building huge, beautiful buildings while the lowest of society had to pay. Does that sound familiar? Europe has had a rough three-tier structure for hundreds of years, and no one has ever questioned it. Or at least they didn't. The Age of Enlightenment was born. There were rumbles from the bellies of the French society. Prince Louis became king after his grandfather died of smallpox. He inherited a country in debt and a large movement of disobeying subjects who were questioning how important it was to have a king. Prince Louis became King Louis XVI in May 1774. He had a reputation of being a weak man, not only physically but also mentally. He was easily led by others. One of his first acts was to get revenge on the British by sending money to their American colony rivals. The Americans won the independence from the British and France was very pleased. But France only loaned the money to the Americans. 
The Americans, with their newfound wealth and power, didn't honour the loan and now France was in even more financial trouble. France's poor were hit the hardest, many dying of starvation, or just collapsing from exhaustion. All this was happening whilst the establishment were continuing to live it up quite publicly. Marie Antoinette became a hate figure and she continued to intensively use a high percentage of France's money to pay for her own lavish lifestyle. She earned the name Madame Deficit. The king and queen were publicly mocked and serious questions were being asked if France really needed a monarchy at all. In a rather ill-judged move, King Louis and his advisers came to the conclusion that the only thing to do would be to tax the poor some more. Not only were the poor taxed for what seemed like everything they did, they were also required to give up a certain percentage of their produce to the rich, such as grain and dairy products. A series of poor harvests over a number of years left the poor with very little food for themselves, even before they were forced to give a percentage away to nobility. The first-class citizens of France were not really affected by the famine or poverty, as they had huge stocks of grain and other produce to see them through. This did not go unnoticed. The poor were hungry, so hungry, and angry. Oh, so very angry. The people of France began to riot. They took to the streets and looted shops for essentials just to keep themselves alive. The king was unsure what to do, so he summons the estate general, the nearest thing that France had to a government at the time. However, they were only an advising body. The last time it was summoned was 175 years previously. The estates general were made up of three tiers, the clergy, the nobility and everyone else. Basically the poor. The poor outnumbered the nobility and the clergy. However, all three tiers got equal voting rights. Sounds good. Wrong. The clergy and the nobility had the same interest to keep the poor down, so the voting system was unfair from the start. Because the poor had more people, they decided that they would break away from the unfair system and form their own government and make their own laws. That's how the National Assembly was born. The headquarters for the National Assembly had to move locations because by order of the king, their building was repossessed. The Assembly found another location and made the Tennis Court Oath in June 1789. This was an oath to keep pushing and meeting until the King gave in to their demands. As a spin-off from the Assembly, the Jacobin Club were born. This was a radical party that wanted the removal of the King altogether. France entered a state of fear. France was volatile. Everything was under threat. The king feared for his position in France and called in the military around Paris. The National Assembly saw this as a threat to them and they believed that they were going to be rounded up and possibly killed. Fear often leads into anger and anger will lead into violence. The people of France took to the streets in a now or never mentality. The set plan was revolution. They took it upon themselves to create the National Guard. In fear, a lot of the French Guard, the King's troops, defected over to the National Guard. On July the 14th, 1789, they stormed a military hospital and gained many weapons. However, they had no gunpowder, so in an effort to flex their muscles, they would storm the Bastille the next morning. The Bastille was a royal military base, prison and store that towered over the city. After the people of France successfully took over the Bastille, they killed and removed the governor-generals, 
Governor Delaney's head was placed on a spike. This would set the tone for the outlandish violence that the common man had to resort to. Let me introduce Jean-Paul Marat, who was a French political theorist, physician and scientist. He was a journalist and politician during the French Revolution. He created a publication promoting the overthrowing of the king. The tone of this publication was to say, if you don't cut off their heads first, they will torture and beat you for the rest of your days. Following this document, the leader of the assembly, with the help of Thomas Jefferson, yes, that Thomas Jefferson, they created a document called the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen. It was a document that demanded equal rights to all men in France. The French poor were still starving, and although legislation was quickly drafted and academic process were being adopted to change it, it wasn't happening quickly enough. The king, who spent most of his time at the Palace of Versailles, 20 kilometres outside of Paris, living in luxury, he just couldn't see the problem. 7,000 women later marched to Versailles, gaining public support en route. It grew into a crowd of tens of thousands. They were demanding an audience with the king. Members of the crowd managed to break into the palace. The intention was to kill the queen, who escaped through a secret passage. The outraged mob killed many members of the royal guard and raised their heads on pikes. King Louis agreed to have an audience with the crowd and agreed reluctantly to now share his authority and wealth with Parliament. He was marched back to Paris with the crowd. The King and Queen reluctantly moved to Paris for the next couple of years. They were stripped bit by bit of their power but were not in a position to fight against the National Guard and had to stay on their good side. The King found that he was increasingly bowing down to demands. King Louis knew he had to leave France and regain power abroad in exile. He could then take the country back by force. Luckily, he was married to an Austrian. On the 20th of June 1791, he and the Queen dressed as common servants and attempted to leave. They didn't even reach the border when they were caught and sent back to Paris. But now the jig was up. The lack of support for monarchy was clear. He was considered a traitor and all his powers were removed and now he was only considered a figurehead. However, radicals were outraged that the king was not removed permanently. In one instant, it highlighted a deep division in the revolutionists when the revolutionary guards and the Jacobins came up against each other over a bloody massacre. In one instant, it highlighted a deep division in the revolutionists when the revolutionary guards and the Jacobins came up against each other and a bloody massacre took place. Remember those two groups were meant to be on the same side. The radicals gained more and more support. On the 10th of August 1792, tension in the city exploded and a mob stormed the palace. Fighting broke out between the revolutionaries and the king's guards. Hundreds were killed and King Louis fled. It was declared that the monarchy was now suspended. Louis was sent to prison alongside his wife. The French Republic was declared on the 22nd of September, 1792. Anything that resembled the past became a target. Palaces, churches, they were all on the hit list. A new atheist belief was pushed through called the Cult of Reason. A new calendar was even introduced. So, there would be 100 seconds per minute, 100 minutes per hour, 10 days per week. An entire new set of months was also produced. 
Enemies of the revolution were now rounded up in their thousands and sent to prison or killed. Louis was put on trial and found guilty of treason. By just one vote, Louis was sentenced to death. He was executed by guillotine. The radicals were now in control and a period we now call the Reign of Terror began. Spies and secret police were everywhere, searching for enemies of the revolution. 40,000 people were executed for crimes against liberty. In 1793, it was the turn of the former queen to be tried. She was found guilty and was taken from the courtroom to the guillotine in a wooden cart. She was executed publicly on the 16th of October, 1793. In 1794, the revolution is said to have collapsed, but other evidence shows that it never collapsed until 1799. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find me on the usual um, social media platforms. Um, the links are plastered everywhere. So please give me a like, a follow, a listen. That would be great. And I will see you next time. Good day. Bye-bye.